Today on Locked On Red Wings, Steve Ellis of Daily Faceoff joins us to profile Quentin Musty and Gavin Brindley. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily JAWWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. And today, Scotty, we are happy to be joined by our first ever daily face-off guest, and that is Steve Ellis. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time to join us for about 25, 30 minutes out of your day, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. So, Scotty, the first thing I want to do with Steve, Steve Eisman decided to speak earlier today, and we didn't know that that was going to happen. He doesn't speak often. He doesn't speak often, and when he does speak, he doesn't say a whole lot. And he said something that interested me and Steve you're somebody who you're a really well-known writer in the hockey sphere and you're a well-respected writer in the hockey sphere and I just want to know your opinion a lot of Red Wings fans believe that Iserman should move one or he thinks that he's going to make that pick at nine and at 17 do you believe him when he says that oh man uh yeah it's, it's kind of a tough one you know put it this way there, there's huge positives no matter which way you look at it here. I am always, uh, I like to have as much draft capital as possible. So I think he should hold on, hold on to this. It's, you know, a couple of years ago when I first started kind of writing with prospects, the Red Wings had a terrible prospect pool. Like it was before the Moritz Sider draft. It was like, we're looking at like Joe Valeno and, and, and guys like that were some of the best guys in the system. They've built a pretty solid prospect pool, but I do like the fact that they've, you know, at least with that first pick, it's going to give them a very solid player there. I am very much at the side of hold those two picks uh, because every single summer we do hear about a player, maybe not a, f- a former 40 goal scorer like Alex Debrincat, but we typically hear at least about a couple of these guys who can go out there and be the goal scorers that the team might need and, and available for trade. So, but this year's draft is just so good. You can get two guys that can make your roster so good very quickly. I, not as quick as obviously getting an NHL player, but more of a sustained long-term thing. And, you know, you got to hope that to bring cat would even want to stick around long-term. So I, I think that if I'm making decisions, I'm holding on to the picks, but that's because I always kind of say, you know, what draft picks are very overrated, but this year's drafts a bit of a different story. So this, the, the, it being the 2023 draft is holding a lot of weight, obviously in your decision there, but um is there obviously you just said your side and, and and what you would do looking at whether it's the track record or whatnot of Iserman in general? Do you, I, I guess, like believe him? Like, like obviously we have, we have your side of it and whatnot. Like, do you, do you think that that is, uh, I guess, like the track that, that we're going to go down? We, we, we know him. We know, we know, <laughs> we know, we know how he kind of handles things. Um, <laughs> it was interesting that he said it. I'll just say that he could have sure. kept that to himself. I mean, it's interesting that he said it. Yeah. That, that makes me le- think that maybe, maybe he might be telling the truth. Yeah. And, but that's the thing too, is like, you never know with him because he is, it's both really frustrating, but also kind of refreshing in a way that he never 
shows his hand. He'll intentionally be as vague as possible unless there's like something that's definitive. And that just kind of feels like to me as a, a Red Wings fan for the, you know, my entire life, that kind of feels what this is, is he's saying, you know, we'll probably make the picks at nine and 17, because if he says, you know, we're going to be looking to make a trade, then obviously that's going to devalue those picks. So by just saying we're going to make the picks or make those picks, then it keeps that value up. That's just me as a Red Wings fan, or maybe that's just my coping mechanism. Who knows? Maybe I'm just coping <laughs> in all reality. That's just where I feel because, you know, your, your colleague, Matt Larkin, posted a, an article earlier in the week about five things, uh, the five teams that could snatch up Alex to or have the best opportunity to. And the Red Wings are on that list. And it makes sense because of the all the assets they have. You said back when you started covering hockey, um, the Red Wings didn't have a great prospect pool. Now that's changed. They do. And they, they're $8 million under the cap floor. They have all the assets and all the cap space to go and acquire somebody like Alex to is that a reality? Do you think that the Red Wings could do, or do you just still, do you think there's a reality where they could make both those picks and still acquire to bring it? Or do you think that it's going to take one of those two picks? You know, it's kind of like funny. Do you know what team could really use a guy like Alex to bring it? The Chicago Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> right. And the Ottawa Senators. Uh, you know, the, there's a lot of teams that are going to be in the running here and the draft picks are going to be so valuable and Detroit having those two first round picks will make it, pretty enticing you know next year's draft's not a bad draft either that would be one where it'd be kind of interesting uh you definitely want to stick with at least one draft pick here you don't yes. want to trade both of them away uh that, that has to be the bare minimum uh, at the same time i think as much as i said like i would like them to keep those two picks just because i like having that draft capital in this year like you could let's say uh, you have that first pick you go on and gotta get like you get Oliver Moore, and then your second pick, it could be a Gabe Perot, it could be a Kobe Barlow, something like that, depending on who it is. like There's a lot of good picks that can make this team very good. And I would argue a guy like Kobe Barlow could be a 40-goal scorer one day in the NHL. Then you don't need to bring cap. But that's a long time now. It really depends on how Detroit truly views this team. If they think they can go out there next year and, and be competitive, and they definitely can, um, that you got to go for a guy like to bring cap. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's like to the last minute to bring catch traded at the trade down or the, at the draft. It's just like teams are going to start panicking on the value of those draft picks. I think kind of the last minute. It's going to so, be really exciting. Scotty, are you, uh, are you good on the, yeah, yeah. We can move into players if you want. We can move on to the prospects. So Steve, the two, the main reason why we have you on today is to do these prospect profiles on Quentin Musty and Gavin Brindley. You kind of teased us that you finished your, your final rankings on this draft before coming on. Uh, can you give us a little bit of sneak preview of maybe where these two guys fell in your rankings going into uh, this draft next Wednesday? Well, first off, can you guess who's number one? Uh, <laughs> tough one. Probably. Tough Connor Bedard. <laughs> just, just, it's a good guess. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's, uh, you know, I, it took a while to kind of figure out who, I, where I wanted to put these guys. And with Quinton Musty, a guy I was really kind of excited about when I first saw him around the OHL draft time, he was drafted first overall, as a guy that was like one of the only guys that played that year, it was the, during the COVID year. So he kind of got that pick, but there was a lot of pressure on him on Sudbury. And you know what? I will give him full credit. There's a, some cities in the NA, or the OHL where players do not want to be Sudbury. So I've heard of stories about quality prospects, not wanting to be in Sudbury. He there, he took the opportunity, could have played at the U S national development team, but he wanted to take this opportunity into his own hands. It worked out very well. He's got great pro qualities, quick release, all that stuff. I put him number 22. I think that, you know, he's a bit 
there's there's an argument to be made. He's got enough of the skill set from a pro standpoint to be a top ten prospect. That's what I've heard some people say. Um, I don't agree, but I think that you're going to get a really good pick if he's available there. Uh, as for Gavin Brindley, a player I absolutely love watching, University of Michigan. I have him at number twenty seven. Very small, feisty, under the radar in Michigan. If it wasn't for Fantilli, I think people would be talking about him in a much more favorable standpoint. And if he also wasn't as, as small as he is, but he's I, I saw him at the draft combine. He's not like a He's he's a strong kid. Like he's not going to be pushed over. So, twenty two for uh, for Musty, twenty seven for Brindley. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess we can start with with Musty there. I, you talked about his his season and, and going to Sudbury and everything. And uh, when looking at his stats and his final lines from that season, like we mentioned earlier, the Red Wings, it's really not a secret. Are really kind of desperately almost is the word I want to use looking for goal scoring. And it's just something that this organization kind of desperately needs at this point. And um, while he's not a, you know, I'm not going to say he's a poor goal scorer or whatnot, but the, the assist numbers are doing a heavy lifting in the point totals when, wherever he he's been at so far. And I'm just trying to get a gauge of his style of play and really what he excels at on the offensive side of the puck. Yeah, you know, like with, with Sudbury, I would say like you, you look at you know, guys like David Goyette looked really good this year, um, Kosha Delich, but it, like there weren't a ton of great players necessarily for him to kind of play with. He had to do a lot of that playmaking. He had to do a lot of that play driving. And I think that's part of the kind of what people get really excited about. I guess I hate doing comparables. I don't think comparables are, are kind of valuable to, um, to fans, but he's kind of like, I don't know how who I would pick maybe like a Pavel Bushnevich, but like with a, like, and you look at him, he's been the 60, 70 point guy. I, I see a little bit of him uh, in there. You know, they're, they're kind of similar um, stature size, six foot two, I believe is for, uh, for musty. So he's got that size. He's a good skater. And yeah, he, the playmaking's done a lot of the work. And I think that's just like, he's making the players around him better. And that's kind of one of the key takeaways there. It's, you know, He's a lethal shooter. I just wish he would shoot more. I think that's kind of the thing. It's like he uh, he gets a lot of shots on net that are not very high quality. It's got to be almost like picking your spots, but doing that more. He's got this ankle-breaking ability where he can absolutely just dangle by somebody. But the thing that will stand out to me right now is the vision. He's just like got as good of a hockey IQ, good of a playmaking uh, sense as you'd get for a player at that quality. Um, but he just didn't get the goals. Uh, again, Sudbury, it was, it was more of the... Uh, I don't really necessarily blame him for not being able to score all those goals, but uh, I, I still think it's, I wouldn't be shocked if he went on and got like 40 goals in the OHL next year, which would be a good, that's not easy to do. So we got to take a quick break, Steve. Uh, but when we come back, I'm going to continue this conversation with you about Quentin Musty. Cause I have a follow-up to that uh, in regards to, you know, why he fell on your list where he did, if all those attributes are so good. But first I got to talk to all the people today about, FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's one up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. Don't miss out on your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 by going to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. We're joined by Steve Ellis of Daily Faceoff. You mentioned, Steve, the ankle-breaking ability that he has and this goal-scoring hockey IQ that he has that is so high. 
yet you still rank him what he was 22nd or 27th on your list 22nd 22nd what puts him below or maybe puts the other prospects in this year's draft above uh Quentin Musty if the, these two attributes about him are so good I had him as high as about 13th, I think, earlier this year. But he dropped, not necessarily due to his own performance, but because there were just guys I started to like more. And there were a few defensemen that kind of started to creep in, a couple more offensive guys. And I think part of it is Quinton Musty can, from time to time, be a bit of a floater out there. There are times where you just kind of wish he would be engaged a bit more. And uh, from talking to scouts recently at the draft combine, it's like, he can be so frustrating. It's like, you know how good he is. He's been able to perform at every level. Uh, and he scored 26 goals this year. It's just like, could he do a bit more of that? Cause he, it's like, he's not, there was nothing about his game in particular. That's a like game breaking. He's got those skills that make him good. He's a good playmaker. Uh, he's strong, but not physical. That's kind of two different things there. Like he's, people aren't pushing him off the pucks, but he's not going out there and pushing guys back. Uh, he can lose a lot of puck battles, just not being fully engaged there. And, and it's just something where I wish his work ethic was just a bit higher. These are things that will come with time. And I think maybe with, you know, an extra year of the OHL that could kind of come together and the right coaching. Um, but it just feels like there's times where he's he's playing almost to not get hurt, if that makes sense, out there, just not going out there and not really pushing the envelope like he should. So, uh, again, I'm, I'm very high on him. I'm just maybe not as high on him in other areas because I just feel like the effort level is not 100% like it should be at all times. I I have to ask about the PIMS just because like it's not like an alarmingly high number, but like I mean that would in only fifty games his PIMS would have like comfortably led the Detroit Red Wings in eighty two. And I know that's like not a hard thing to like compare and whatnot, and, but I mean he did have you know like seventy seventy five PIMS in just the fifty games. So I'm just wondering if that you said he wasn't very physical, so it doesn't he doesn't strike me as the kind of player that's getting those by being like super physical or whatever on the puck, but is there like a, I don't know, like maybe dumb penalties sometimes type of thing. The time it is, but that's also not a really a high number for the OHL to be sure. honest. Um, so there's that too. Um, it's like, you know, he, he, a lot of it will just be like, he's playing around the net really close. Just some things were accidents. There were, there, there was a number of times where you look at him and say, eh, that felt like, not on purpose, not what he intended it to happen. Maybe a little ticky tacky. Sometimes, yeah. Like OHL, OHL refing is, it is what it is. I wouldn't be too worried about him taking a lot of dumb penalties. Sure. That, and I feel like it was just more time he'll add. He'll be able to use his size to his advantage because sometimes he literally would just hit guys like with a normal hit, but he was just bigger than the guy and it just worked out poorly sure. so that happens and it's a guy who has been kind of dealing that through most of his career he's always been kind of this big forward even back in like uh in, in minor hockey he was always kind of bigger than a lot of the competition i remember seeing a showcase tournament uh here in oakville oakville where i'm from and just seeing him just kind of shove guys down where it looked like he wasn't even trying but it wasn't like he was hitting guys hard it was just he was bigger that was just simply it so that kind of boils down to a lot of it gotcha and so i guess where the Red Wings are sitting at nine and 17, you have him ranked at 22nd. If the Red Wings are sitting there at, let's just say 17, let's rule out nine, because that would be one heck of a reach. If you, they take him at 17, are you thinking I there probably were other players be better on the border? I can understand it given the Red Wings needs. Where, where do you feel if the Red Wings were to take him at 17? I'd have no problem with that. I wouldn't take him over Kobe Barlow if he's still available. Who's my 16th ranked. Um, I wouldn't pick him over Cal Ritchie, who I might, yeah, again, I, I think for Detroit, 
in all teams, you got to be picking best player available. And whether you think a two way centerman is exactly who they need, Cal Ritchie would be that guy. Uh, and then Gabe Perot is another one I'd be looking at, just the way he played at the U.S. National Development Team. Uh, I know I have him at 17th. I know some people have him closer to 10th. I don't think that will happen. I think he'll still be around at 17. Um, so those are kind of the guys I would look at as maybe. But otherwise, it's like there's not a lot of separation between, I'd say, maybe 15 to 23. So I I wouldn't call it a reach if, if they go for him. You want to go to Brindley? Yeah. And so my first question regarding Ga- uh, Gavin Brindley, Steve, is more I was just sitting here and I was thinking about this. There's so many players across the globe and they all play in different leagues. Some of these guys are playing professional already and, you know, over in Europe and other guys are just, you know, playing OHL hockey and not to downplay OHL hockey. It's a very competitive league. But like when evaluating talent, especially like let's just, for instance, compare Brindley to Musty. Like, how does that work? You're comparing players who are playing against NCAA talent against players who are playing against OHL talent. Like, how much is that a factor in evaluating talent? I guess that's not necessarily a question about Gavin Brindley himself, but more just about scouting in general. Yeah, you know, it's one of the hardest parts about it, especially when you get guys like in Europe where you'll have a one player that might play four different levels in one season. And then that gets pretty frustrating. You don't, then they make you get excited to watch a guy play in the SHL or the KHL and they play one minute and that's, you wasted your entire time watching this game. You don't care about. Um, so, so things like that will happen from time to time. But I think the, the thing with like, I don't know if the specific level matters too much depending on what the player is. Like Connor Bedard probably could have been playing in like the AHL and been like the best player this year. Like he playing in the WHL didn't stop him from um, like continuing to show how dominant he was. Like, like he was, he was way too good for that league, but it was like, it didn't hurt him because he was playing against like some weaker defense. Um, so you look for what is kind of like the translatable skills. So for a guy like Gavin Brindley, it's that, it's that relentless motor. It's the guy that always is trying to fight for every single puck, uh, that work ethic. You can fit that anywhere on a lineup. Um, and you know, he's got the speed to make it work. He's very evasive. Um, He's kind of like the the I don't know if I'd give a good comparable for him, but it's kind of like when he's a his closest comparison is like a Swiss Army knife. He can kind of just do everything, and you love guys like that. It, he would be a no brainer top fifteen pick if he wasn't five foot nine. That's just that's kind of where it boils down to. But when it comes to like comparing against levels, it's always good when a player that's playing against older competition stands out. And Gavin Brindley did now. Keep in mind, he played on a very high-scoring team that could get offense from anywhere. But he was generating so much of that. He was a great playmaker. He nearly had 40 points, which in most years is putting you in true contention for a freshman of the year. Like, that's how good of a season he had. Um, and he was a true freshman as opposed to a guy who was drafted and then went up. Like, he was like, this is his first year. He was not drafted to an NHL team because of his age. Like, that's impressive to put up the numbers he did. So that's a guy that you look at that and say, whoa, if he was like 6'1", like this guy's going really high in the draft. But he's 5'9", and we just kind of know what happens there. Uh, we'll be right back. We're uh, joined by Steve Ellis of Daily Faceoff. Stay tuned to Segment 3 of Locked on Red Wings. Segment 3, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Steve, when talking about Gavin Brindley, you mentioned a lot about his size and that being a big detriment. I, I'm of this belief, and now correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not a scout. Like I'm just a fan through and through who happens to have a mic in front of him. I, I'm of this belief that wing size doesn't matter as much for wingers as it does for other positions in the game because a winger's job most of the time, and that's not it's not except like not hundred percent true, 
But a winger's job a lot of the time is to be your goal scorer or your playmaker. And in my eyes, size is important, but it's not a end-all, be-all. Some of the best players in the NHL that are wingers are undersized. You know, we talk about Alex Dabrinkit. I think he measures at 5'7". Brad Marchand's under six foot. Johnny Goudreau's 5'9". And again, those could just be exceptions to the rule. Is there a future for Gavin Brindley in the NHL, despite the fact that he is 5'9"? How big of an impact do you see that size having on his NHL potential? He's one of the very few guys in this draft that are under 5'10 that I truly believe in. So I'm, I'm, I'm fully of the belief that this guy's going to be a very good NHLer. And, you know, his dad was 5'10". He played in the AHL and the ECHL, but he was like 200-something pounds. And he did not play like a small defenseman because he wasn't a small defenseman despite not being that tall. And Kevin Brindley doesn't play anything like that, but he plays a skill. He's got that tenacity to him still, though. He's still like this this ball of energy that just runs around rampant. Like I, He's one of my favorite prospects in this draft, and I feel like he's just been so underrated his entire time here. Just the issue with a guy that's that small, you know, he brings a lot of that offense, but if he's not playing necessarily an offensive role, can he do enough? And that's where I think that 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 work ethic really fits in. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he kind of just levels out and just becomes this like third line player, but a good third line player. And that's okay. You need that depth. You look at Vegas, the the value of those bottom six players were so important. And that's why they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, a guy like Gavin Brilly is a middle six player. I don't think he'll be a top line guy, but he'll bring you that energy. He could play the power play. He could do things like that. He can even kill penalties for a guy that's not huge. Um, and part of that is because skating's really good, uh, very good passer. Uh, and I think his hockey sense will get him a lot of opportunities there. So I am, I got about a 97% sure I think he's going to be a pretty good NHL player. Well, I, I'm going to kind of repeat the same question I had earlier just because the Wings, again, are looking so much for goal scoring. How does that part of his game translate to the NHL level as, as far as you as far as you're concerned? It's it. it, it sorry, repeat the question. Just how does the goals? How does his goal scoring translate to the NHL level? Will it translate? How well of a goal scorer do you think he'll end up being? I think still a work in progress um, because to me, the thing that stands out more is, is the, the passing ability, the playmaking ability. So, um, you know, he didn't light the world on fire with his goals. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is, you know, he had a lot of shots, not a lot of super high danger shots from like what you would see. Uh, I think again, it's kind of the work ethic and the playmaking that will get you somewhere. I still would like to see him get a bit more transitional, um, like improving transitional skating. Uh, he's got good top speed, but I wouldn't say he's like a super, super strong skater because when he tries to go into skating backwards, he loses a bit of speed and that's where he gets beat from time to time. Um, but, you know, in his own zone and short bursts, he's very good. So that's where he'll create his opportunities. But I still think it's kind of leaning towards more of the playmaker side, at least at this point. Now Fantilli's gone next year, um, which most people expect. I do expect Brenly to be counted on to score some more goals. And that's, you know, again, he, he put up like almost 40 points it is a freshman in college. Like that's pretty good, mm -hmm. but he's just getting started. He could be there for another two years. And I think that's where we're starting to see his goal scoring. We just haven't seen that yet. So I'm not going to give him like a perfect mark yet. Sure. So now it's my turn to repeat my question uh, from the last prospect we covered when talking about Gavin Brindley and the Red Wings 17th overall pick, because you have Brindley ranked 27th later in the second round. Do you think then if the Red Wings take him at 17, I know you already said best player available, take it. But if the Red Wings were to take a shot at Brindley at 17, how much are you shaking your head at that one? I'm not. Um, 
I, I, I almost feel like I'm more confident in him than I am in, in Musty. But the difference is one six two, two hundred pounds and has NHL size and the other does not. And unfortunately, like I as much as I would love to fully think I could believe in Brimley, it's again, it just small guys are not there. Dime a dozen and you just kinda hope one clicks. But I just think from the way he thinks the game and the way he works out on the ice, we'll get him those opportunities. But if if Detroit was to pick him there, I'd say, you know what, they're taking a, a risk that's worth taking. The, the the risk reward is is there, especially when you got two picks. With that second pick, they've got that extra room where it's not like a team picking 14th or 15th that might only have one pick, and it's like they got to hit it. Detroit's got that high pick already. You could take a risk on a guy that you believe in, and it's a guy I know they've scouted quite a bit. It's very easy for them to get to there mm-hmm. uh, in Michigan. So I think that did some of that. Like I, I would be pretty happy with that pick if i was a red wings fan and, and put it this way um what most public rankings you'll for like this is just for the average fan but you'll see the public rankings like oh this guy was way off the board Moritz cider is a perfect example of a guy yep. that was like ranked much higher i had him now i didn't publish my rankings publicly back then i had him as the sixth best player in that draft there was just so much of there you saw in the German league that was very impressive. And I'm like, you know what? He's going to be able to turn this into something. And when people were shocked, he was drafted. It's like, oh, look at this draft rankings. Didn't have him there. It's like every team has a different outlook for this. Wait, look how good that, more tired has been. Was that when you decided, I should probably publish these? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, there's been a few picks. The one where the Cole Caulfield, I, I think I had him number five. Um, right. It's like it's it's like there's some of these picks I feel very like I, I, I should have published back then. I wasn't allowed. I was working for the hockey news at the time and we had our own draft rankings. I couldn't like sure. go and compete against them. Um, but uh, it was like my own rankings. I'm like, I felt really very confident in Moritz Sider and uh, I'm, I'm, that worked out very well. So if a team like Detroit is willing to take that risk, I think Gavin Brindley is worth that risk. So in your rankings, you have Musty uh, ahead of Brindley. Is that like the end all be all then? Like if with the wings at 17, let's just say these two, uh, I guess it's kind of impossible to say that they're the two best players on the board. But like if, if you're comparing both of these players at 17, which one are you giving the edge to? And, and who would you rather, I guess, the wings go to there at 17? Right now, I think Musty's just got the more projectable frame. He's got the more projectable skill set, and I think he's a bit more well-rounded at this point. Um, the For me, I just like Brindley Moore as a player. I just think that there's just a guy that has a lot more to prove, and now that he might be out of the shadow of Fantilli and he will be counted on even a bigger role, I think this is a year where people are saying, like, whoa, he's one of the most improved players in this draft class, and maybe uh, a surefire top 15 in a redraft type thing. So uh, I would lean towards um, Brindley, but I have him below for a reason. And again, like the difference between like even 18 to, I've got my rankings here, just looking at 18 to like 28 is so minuscule. Like I would be okay with any of them moving in any five positions up or down. Um, but with, 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 I just think right now, you know, I've just, I'm hesitant about the size there and I'm hesitant about, you know, maybe there isn't an elite scoring option there in Brindley. Maybe he is more of just a playmaker and then you just got to hope that really works out for him. But I, I think right now, Musty did a lot for a team that needed all the scoring they can get. And that to me excites me. Yeah. One thing that you said that I, I've heard from a lot of different people we've spoken to is that the degree of separation between a lot of these players is super minuscule and that you can see anyone going pretty much anywhere outside of like the top 10. Even I've heard like it's one, then it's anybody can go between two and four because there's like three guys in that range. And then from there, it's just like a who's who of like 
that what's going to be taken and who's going to be taken. And it's incredible how deep I know Steve Eisman at his end of season availability made a joke about how it's considered a deep draft when the top is really top heavy, but it is genuinely like at, Red Wings are sitting at ninth. And I think the Red Wings could get somebody at nine who in most years would be like a top five pick. And that's an incredible feeling to have. And that leads me to my final question for you, Steve. And then, you know, we'll let you go back to your life of typing away rankings and mock drafts. But if you were Steve Eisman and you're sitting there at nine and 17 and you can make your pick of, let's just say anyone, not anyone on the board, obviously Bedard's not going to be there at nine, but like your pick of a guy that you think would make a lot of sense for the Red Wings system and what they need now, like who are you taking at nine and 17? Well, I'm going to go with best player available. And for me, it's if Dalibor Dvorsky's available, I think he's there. Uh, I think he'd be the guy that you, you know, just the, the numbers are great. Um, when he plays against his own age group, uh, I think he showed some really good signs near the end of the year. Um, but that is with the assumption that Medvey Mitchkov, like if Medvey get Mitchkov, if he's available at nine, you take him. I don't care what the need is. I don't care no matter what you're picking Mitchkov because he's going to look like he's going to make the scouting staff look like geniuses. But I'm going with Dalibor Dvorsky. I think he'd be the guy you go for that pick. Uh, and then if he's available, I'm thinking Gabe Perot, um, number 17 would be my pick. I just, you don't score 132 points by accident. Although I will say, you know, watching him a lot this year, he was usually the third best player on his own line. But I think he showed a lot more confidence in that second half of the season that showed more signs of, okay, he's not just a finisher. He's also creating plays. He also isn't afraid of, you know, getting a little physical if he needs to. A big thing there is the skating's not great, but you might not need him to skate a lot if he's a winger and he could just be ripping shots. He could, he's, he proved this year he could pull that off, no problem. And even if he is just a finisher, the Red Wings desperately need a finisher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're like bottom 10 in the league in goals this year is like, last five years. It feels like right. they don't score a lot. Yeah. So that is definitely something for sure. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming Thank on you, and joining yeah. us in today's episode. Tell the people where they can find you and find your work. And what are you working on? Yep. So my, uh, my Twitter account is SLS hockey, uh, and all my articles are on dailyfaceoff.com. I've been writing a draft profiles all year long, but it's been a kind of, I think I'm on like day 23 of writing just different profiles and different rankings every single day. So it's been a lot of stuff. Draft rankings coming out, uh, Wednesday, uh, June 21st and uh, mock draft, uh, leading up to the draft. And I will be in Nashville. So I'm looking forward to that. Excited for the spicy food. Oh, <laughs> they have that. Uh, what's the, what's the big thing they're famous for? The Nashville hot chicken is that Nash it? Nashville hot chicken? It's also mm. it's a good time in Nashville because I'm arriving on the Sunday and I'm a huge NASCAR fan. The NASCAR race is in Nashville that day. Guess who's going to that? Man, that's going to be a busy week. That's a day, brother. That's, that's a day. Yeah, I can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> also, well, then, yeah, it's, it's gonna be a busy time. I've never been in Nashville, so I'm excited. Oh, you're gonna love it. I went to Nashville a couple years ago with my uh, fiance and. Broadway, the the main street, walking down it, it's it's electric all all hours of the day, especially on the weekend. It's and you're within walking distance of Bridgestone. We walked to Bridgestone, and I got us got myself a Predators hat that I'm not allowed to wear on the podcast. Correct. you're a big Jordan Tutu fan. Just go. I love uh, David Legwand. Big yes, David Legwand. Perfect. Uh, so yeah, you're gonna love it. You really will. Steve, thanks so much for taking the time again, uh, joining us. Thank Scotty, you, Scotty. Any final thoughts? Uh, we ball. We ball. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow. What do you say, Scott? You want to break down that Iserman press conference tomorrow? Sure. Works for me, bud. And we'll do that on Thursday. So stay tuned. Same time, same place. See your team every, every day. day.